Church family, uh, the great debate is coming up. Every year, the greatest debate ever takes place around this time. It's not the debate over who gets to cut the turkey. It's not the debate over will Ohio State beat Michigan because we already know what's about to go down. It's not, it's not. <laughs> it's not the debate over when you can actually start putting up the Christmas lights and when you can. Not that debate. It is the debate over which side item is the best item on the table. That, that, that's, that's the greatest debate of all time, right? Which one is going to be the best, the best one? Some of y'all are macaroni and cheese people. Zay, where I'm at, Zay? Boom, there we go, like clockwork. Some of y'all are, are dressing, stuffing people. I don't know why we name it two different things. I eat both of them, and they're both good because they, they're two different things. Okay, officially, they're two different things. Okay, I don't know. If you, if you put either one in a turkey, I'm good with it, Okay. And then some of y'all fall in my lane, the yam sweet potatoes lane. Whichever one, I don't care. As long as they candied, I'm good. Oh, collard greens don't make it. That's a vegetable. No, I'm just playing. Um, I love greens. That, that, that's like a, that, I know. See, this is the great debate. You with me? Amen. Ham, no, uh, ham hocks. Okay, all right. Let me, let me move to the sermon before we get out of control. You know what I'm saying? Pigs feed everything. I know. I know. Hey, whatever side gets your vote, I want to, 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 to allow this, this meal that takes place in the Bible to help us see Jesus a little bit more clearly. A lot of meals are coming up this next week, uh, but a couple of meals took place in the Bible that help us to focus our posture, help, to, uh, help us understand what our heart mode should be during this time. So if you could, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse 13. It'll be on the screen. Yeah, my mama greens is off the, yep. Um, Matthew chapter 14, and then we're going to start in verse 13. And when someone gets there, could you tell me what page that is? Ezra? Thirteen ninety-five. Thank you. Thirteen ninety-five. Starting at verse thirteen. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 
the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You've heard this story about Jesus feeding. It's, it's probably one of the, of the most well-known stories. I mean, if you had to, to kind of look at Jesus doing miracles, probably healings and feedings are the two things that he's most known for when it comes to miracles. And we get both of those taking place in this example. But if you breeze past 13, you miss the context by which one of his miracles is going to happen, by which folks are going to be fed, by which this giant meal is going to happen. You miss the heart, the posture, and the context by which Jesus is coming into this need of people. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What happened is the 12 verses preceding tell us that somebody he loves, somebody he cares about, somebody that was near and dear to his heart, somebody that meant a lot to him was no longer on this earth. That unfortunately, the life of this person uh, was taken for standing up for Jesus, but just because it was a good reason didn't make it any lighter. It's interesting that we have a God that can understand all that we go through, understands what it means to be exhausted, but understands also what it means to have heartache. And so verse 13 lets you know that this Jesus, this God, when he hears what happens to a dear friend, that he's no longer with him, with us, no longer alive, he withdraws by boat to a private solitary place. Some of you guys are going to be like, Pastor, you're about to go somewhere that you don't typically go. I'm okay with that because I believe that God communicates in a variety of ways. His profound voice is, is present here in Scripture. Scripture is the basis by which we understand who God is and we understand who we are through the lens of God. God also works through his Holy Spirit that moves and guides and cares for us. And I believe God works in the earth. So God creates medicine, and medicine helps us. Some people are like, I only need God. I don't ever need medicine. That's cool for you. I'm going to pop two Tylenol when this headache and this back pain hurting. I believe God can use things that, that, that can bring him glory, and I believe God uses counselors. I believe God uses people who love him, worship him, celebrate him, but also take science and say, well, we can learn from some patterns we've observed over the years. There's some things that can help people. And we, like Jesus, enter into meals, enter into seasons, enter into times with people who we love after maybe coming out of seasons, losing people that we love. And so I want to 
make a couple mentions from some Christian counselors that share, hey, as the holidays are approaching, they have a joyous element, but they also have an element that can, that can remind us of those that we miss. They also can have an element where we should be focused on gratitude, but also recognizing there can be grief. So here's some ways in which I believe God wants to encourage us to still be able to experience the beauty of his love while acknowledging the weight of grief. First off, grief is a normal thing. Some will say that grief is something you shouldn't experience if you are Christian enough. Don't believe them. Grief is a normal thing. It is a reflection of a loving experience with another person. Some will say that uh, you can have emotions. Counselors say, let emotions flow. That emotions should be something that is expressed through us, and it is a healthy thing that we should give ourselves permission to feel good and bad, joy and sorrow. I know, because firsthand, I used to have some uncles, and my uncles loved me dearly, but if I fell, they might let a tear fall. But if I was hurt from another individual, boy, what you crying for? You can't cry. You better suck it up. And that mentality played into my mind as an adult, and I had to give myself freedom to, to feel. See, some of us hear those voices that the world will say of, oh, you lost somebody, you should be over it. Who says? Who defined the timeline? My journey may be very different than yours, and you, we all, need to be okay. We're giving ourselves permission to divorce the unhealthy thinking that people may try to put upon us. I'm saddened that Jesus lost such a great man as John the Baptist, but I'm thankful that we get an example of Christ in the scriptures to let us know it's okay to pull back and be alone some spaces too. Jesus models it for us because it's healthy for us. It's okay. Maybe when everybody's kicking it, you slide off to the second for a minute and just get some time alone and re-enter back in and play your gospel double dutch of back in and out with community because you may need to take time to self. One of the last things they said was it's, 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 it's okay for us to remember the joys and non-joys of the people we love so dearly. Don't let, because it's a holiday, mean that you've got to remember this person as perfect. They weren't, and we aren't, but we can still miss their whole being, the beauty of who they were as a person. It's okay, family, to, to have grieving feelings during a moment, during a time of thanksgiving and celebration with people that we love. Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. May we bring our joys and our lows unto God because he is 
with us. So this is the background by which we enter into an actual celebrate, celebratory event. Verse 15 says, in evening approach, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy some food. There, it's, 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 it's the disciples are actually trying to be caring. They're like, look, all these folks around, you've been healing folks and they ain't got nothing to eat. Let them go, Jesus. Because I only got one pie and it ain't going to do nothing for all these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like let them go. Let them get sustenance. But Jesus replies, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. The need is not ignored, but the responsibility of the need gets transferred, it gets shifted to the disciples. The idea that they might be able to fulfill this need. I, uh, I hear around the world, well, I hear around this time, stats about the world often. Uh, I took this one from, um, I think it was, well, whoever's online. I took it from someplace online. This is not my words, but I can't even remember my quote. I can't read my quote. So uh, I'll give you the quote, but I can't read my citation. It said, today the world produces 150% more food only 13% more land is used compared with 1960, thanks to many innovations in food production made over the years. We produce enough food to feed one and a half times the global population. That's enough to feed 10 billion people, yet there are only 7 billion people here. What's the point? We got enough food to feed everybody and then have some left over. The question we all have to wrestle with is, what is our part? Not, not how do you stop all of hunger in the world? Because that might be a little bit above you. Maybe. But if every person that was able did their part, what type of impact would we have then? And so Jesus says to them, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered, uh, uh, no, they said we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered in verse 18, bring them here to me. And he said, uh, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. He gave thanks. This posture of, of submission unto God, of acknowledging that all that is present has flown from God, has flowed from God. This willingness to say, while this miracle is about to take place, I give reverence to the one who allows it to happen. And I know that we do things every day, but we don't realize that they're miracles. Like you and I jump in a car and we drove here today. And I doubt any of us stopped and said, can we have a 15-minute prayer before we get in the car and turn the key? 
because it's normal to us to go, arrive, and then leave and come back. In the last year, how many of us know or heard of someone in a car accident? I remember when we were in a, in a car accident that was kind of crazy. The first, man, probably, I don't even know. It was a long time after our car accident. Whenever I got in the car, it was like, and I had to like calm myself down. It's going to be all right. Or I would say a little prayer. Okay, Lord, be with the person driving. They don't even know, but they're making me crazy nervous right now. Oop, they don't see that. You know, like, like. <laughs> I remember me and Charles riding home. We was clutching each other like, like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, 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 let something happen, and it piques your awareness. It makes you realize, wait, 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 I can't take this thing for granted. Let you go without a meal. Let your freezer get bare. Let the electricity be cut off for a few weeks. Let, let something where you realize, oh, 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 I can't take this meal for granted. See, see, what Jesus is doing is reminding everybody present, we're giving thanks unto the one that allowed this to happen. My prayer for us is that that would be a, a reverential posture that we have. But we don't have to experience lack, outage, or pain for him to get our attention. That our reverence would be because he is God and because he is holy, and because I realize this meal didn't have to be here. We went to a, a funeral a couple of weeks ago for a woman that was 30 years old. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that this time when I have Thanksgiving, the people sitting around the table, I'm going to appreciate a little bit more because of the event that I just went to two weeks ago. Like reverence, because even the people at the table don't have to be here. God, thank you for their presence. See, we give thanks because God provides everything, not just the money to buy the meal, the ability to go shop for the meal, and the ability for the people present to be at the meal. Everything. Everything. But then there's another meal that happens, and if you can flip your finger over to chapter 15. We start in that verse 29. Same book, book of Matthew. Flip to verse uh, chapter 15, and we're going to start at verse 29. Because then he, he does it again. Now, this is a different scenario, different situation. Jesus left there, went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And verse 30 Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. God called, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. 
His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd, sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people. Another key reason why I believe that, that Jesus wants to, us to see this, uh, this kind of equation that he, he gives thanks and he breaks bread. And you see that term used here. You're going to see that term used in uh, 26. It's because Jesus, Jesus could have easily said, where's the food? Give it out. Make sure everybody eat. But he pauses and he gives thanks. If Jesus gives thanks... What? We all supposed to be giving thanks. If God himself gives thanks, but, but Jesus is doing something that he does over and over and over with the disciples. He's modeling a, grat- a posture of gratitude. He's demonstrating. He's just not telling them, I want y'all to be grateful. He's saying, oh, let me show you. Before we eat, we give reverence. Before we eat, we model a grateful heart. Before we eat, we're going to let the Lord know. We appreciate it. We're thankful for this. I was listening to a, a coach talk about his selection of players. He's traveled all over the world, and I connect with different families. I connect with different uh, junior coaches. I listen to cousins. I listen to people, who, uh, uh, employers that they used to have. I talk to people all around because I'm trying to not only get a sense how good of a ball player she or he is, I'm trying to get a sense of their character. Character. He said, because character is more important than even their ability to play. Why? Because if you've got bad character, if you're a complainer, you can destroy the whole morale of my entire team. If I say, everybody get up, and, he's, and one person says, no, I don't feel like it. And everyone else says, yeah, we, we, if he don't feel like, feel like it either, now I got a bigger problem. Then can we score a goal? And can we shoot a basket? I've got a bigger problem. You see, a complaining spirit can be contagious. It can be destructive. But a joyful, a spirit of gratitude can be equally contagious. And I'm trying to sift and see which of my players will be ones that contribute a heart of gratitude or one will have a heart of complaining. Pastorally. I want you to see this example as one of Jesus modeling a heart of gratitude. But you and I will have the opportunity to choose what are we going to follow? What spirit are we going to bring? What posture and character are we known for on the team of our family? Is it one of complaining? Is it one of gossiping? Is it one of not believing the best? Or is it one of gratitude? With all the complexity, with all the time, you know family can be a mess. Let's, let, let me make sure I put that out there. You know family dynamics can be quite difficult. But with all of the family drama, do I approach it with the heart of hope? Do I approach it with a heart of gratefulness? 
I'm grateful that God has you in my life, even though I want to wring your neck sometime. I'm thankful you're here. And as much as I can't stand you right now, your greens are good, so come on. You know, the, the, the heart of gratefulness is something Jesus models. He's not simply just giving commands. He's actually demonstrating it. And so why, why wouldn't we? And I think that's the heart part. That's the mentality that I want to send us into Thanksgiving with. It's this, this, this crazy, beautiful, kind of like the trifecta effect that God allows us to have. God does this cool thing when we have a, a, a true heart of gratitude. And we saw it when we did Boxes of Love. This crazy thing where like, like, like God gets reverence, people get encouraged, and we get empowered. We went out yesterday, uh, the, the girls and I, and um, uh, like, like I'm, we're, we're at somebody's house to take a turkey, and Pastor K gave us some dope instructions of how to, like, you know, uh, um, listen well, but then also look for an opportunity to engage, but also have your hood awareness up. So if you hear a dog coming, you know, just start running and then look back and see if it's a dog once you get away. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he just gave, and one of the things he said was be aware of your circumstance, be aware of your surroundings. So I'm standing, uh, Lele and I were standing at the, at the, as the brother's walking up, but a car goes by, and I see the girls, the ladies go by, and they're looking like, so I'm like, oh, that's interesting, okay, well. But they, like, watch us the whole, like, as they drive by, their eyes is locked on us. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting, cool. Well, lo and behold, the next house we have on our list uh, to drop off a box of love is their house. And they're still in the car. And I come up and I'm like, hey, I just I enter into the awkward. Hey, y'all was just staring at me as you drove by on the other block. I'm Pastor Leon. They're like, Pastor Leon? Oh, yeah, man, I remember you. This is Pastor Leon. So she starts, the lady in the passenger seat who we're going to go see, starts telling her cousin and telling her about our church. Like they had connected with us years ago, probably seven, eight years ago. Um, and she still, praise the Lord, like, was saying, like, and that's my church. Like, she still considers us her church. Um, has lived in the neighborhood for 40-something years. But, but one of the things she said was, like, like, you don't know that I believe that God set this moment up. Like, the pain that we've gone through, and for me to see you in this moment, it's a great encouragement to me. Now, in that moment, y'all, I just, I got, a, I got a spreadsheet that my sister Hannah had made. Uh, yep, it was off the chain. Uh, so, so this wasn't one of those for me, like, I'm going to go sit in my prayer closet. Lord, tell me, where do I need to go today? Oh, him with, that the light is shining on? Okay. Hey, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't one of those moments. It was just like, okay, let's go be faithful. Let's go do what God wants us to do. But her excitement got me stirred up, and I got excited. Oh, you see it as a God moment? Well, let, let, me, let me stop thinking about a turkey. Let me, let, me, let me wake up. You know what I mean? And so, and so now her encouragement is empowering me. And I'm like, okay, well, since you see it as that, I can't just talk about Frosted Flakes. 
Can't just talk about skipping jump rope, you know what I'm saying? I'm, okay, you expecting a God moment. Lord, would you use me? And I'm not give you all the details, but Lord allowed us to have a good conversation to talk, and we look forward to following up with her and her family. But I say that because, because three things happened in that moment. One, the sister got encouraged. And oftentimes, family, like, like we know, okay, how many of us, I don't want to put everybody on, many of us love Jesus in this room, and we need encouragement. We need encouragement. We have each other, a family, and we still need encouragement. Imagine if you walk in kind of by yourself. You ain't got nobody that say, no, that's not a good idea. You got people that's like, yeah, go ahead and try it. Let me know how that goes. You don't have people that really want your good. You got a lot of people that want your downside. You got a lot of darkness around you. And then the Lord graciously allows a Sylvia, a Joel, a Sandra, a Caleb to cross your path. See, we give thanks to God because he ordains and sets things up that are beyond us. He is worth it all. And in that moment with that sister, she was able to and I was able to give God reverence. To give God thanks for this little turkey and this box that opened up an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. See, that's what Jesus was constantly doing. People were coming to him to be healed. They got so much more. Got so much more. And family, I pray that our boxes of love, opportunity, that whole time, folks got so much more. But let me tell you another way. You're about to get so much more. So this is a, a challenge, an opportunity for us to be people of gratitude. My sister uh, Elise and Monica had this idea to create a, a thankfulness jar. And there's going to be a video about it and some how-tos and some quick steps. But, but the heart of it is, we want you to spend some time being intentional about being grateful, about being thankful, not just Thanksgiving, but through the entire holiday season. And maybe it'll spill over past the holiday season. You'll just be a grateful person. But there's a lot that compete to try to have us not be grateful. A brother I like, because uh, I, I used to rock FUBU back in the day. Then Damon John went to the Shark Tank, and wife and I love Shark Tank. And then he, so this dude named Damon John, now he's a motivational entrepreneurial speaker. He said, hey, when you wake up in the morning, do yourself two favors. One, don't check your email, because now you jump up responding to the needs of others versus the vision you had for how your day would go. And number two, don't check social media because social media is geared to show you the things you don't have. You see a person with a spouse that got bigger muscles than your spouse. You see a person with a car that's newer than your car. You see a person with the key and it's just da 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 and, it's, and, and before you know it, you're looking at what you don't have. She said, no, no, no. Calm both of those voices. Set your own goals and start with some gratitude of what you do have, and then you move through this world. And while I don't know where that brother stands spiritually, 
I thought it was a good encouragement. Why? Because we have so many voices that seek for all of us to not be grateful people. For as soon as we get something, to be like, okay, great, thanks. And what's next? How much more you got? I, I, I know because all, some, every, every year somebody, we like, okay, here, you can have a turkey. And they're like, that's all? Dang, why well, I got to take off my pastor coat and wrestle with you now? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, but, but, but while I'm tempted to have an attitude about their entitlement, I know that I am them. I know that I am them. And so we need each other and we need the reminder of Jesus modeling for us. No, no, no. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. If he could feed 4,000, then feed 5,000, but each time say, we give thanks to God. I can do it too. And so can you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day and this time. Help us to have postures of gratitude, Father. Help us to be thankful as we think about your word, Jesus, and you give us the parable of the ten lepers that you heal and only one coming back to be grateful. Father, let that not be true for our church. Let all ten people would have came back because we want to be people, people who are grateful to you. We give you the reverence that you deserve. We are we are blown away that, Father, when we're grateful, you actually empower and encourage us. Use this time for your glory and let us be your people who reflect you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.